You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 711 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is about 2 a.m. on Wednesday morning, and I recorded a podcast about four and a half hours ago, which you, I guess you could have heard by, by now. If you saw two podcasts and you're waking up from your slumber early on Wednesday morning, I don't blame you for missing the first one. Um, there was probably a little bit of relevant information in that one still. I talked about the game on Wednesday a little bit when it came to the Wolves. There was an update about Jabari Parker in there. There were some things that were not trade-related, but so um, if nothing else, do me a favor and download that podcast. I really appreciate it. But we're coming to you this late and uh, in my tired state to discuss what transpired on Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning, early, early, early here. And that's that the Hawks have Clint Capella on their roster. Um, not officially at this moment. I'm recording about 2 a.m. as I said before, and nothing has been announced by anyone when it comes to any of the teams. And as we'll talk about in a second, the Hawks actually have to make another move before this can actually happen. But it was widely reported now and confirmed multiple times. Um, first by Shams reporting some, uh, I guess, serious negotiations was the way that it went down. And then it went from there to Adrian Wojnarowski uh, announcing basically the trade. And then it actually unfolded um, sort of bit by bit after the core tenants were in place because this is a four-team transaction. Four-team deals don't happen very often. In fact, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Bobby Marks reported that this is the largest deal, has 12 players in it. The largest deal says 2,000 when I was uh, in high school. So yeah, it's been a while and this is a massive thing. Fortunately for us on this podcast, the Hawks side is actually fairly easy to digest. It's certainly the easiest of the four teams to sort of go through and figure out what's going on. And honestly, it's a, it's a construction that we've discussed already on the podcast, which definitely helps things a little bit. But um, essentially, it is Evan Turner and his $18.6 million salary going away from the Hawks, along with the Brooklyn Nets first round pick which is projected to be in the middle of the first round, 15 to 17-ish, because of Brooklyn. And that pick, of course, from Brooklyn came as part of the Torian Prince-Allen Crab trade. Those are two assets leaving the Hawks. And in return, the Hawks are going to have Clint Capella, who is, of course, the centerpiece of this trade, and reportedly Nene will be coming alongside. We will get to Capella in a minute, but just to get out of the way now so we don't have to come back to it, the Hawks taking Nene's salary is purely financial and making the deal work from that front. Um, Nene has a profoundly weird contract, but at the end of the day, his base salary is about $2.5 million. It guarantees uh, in less than two weeks, so it will be absolutely flabbergasting if he's not released. I would plan on Nene being released. That's not been confirmed by anybody as the deal is not official at this point, but the Hawks took him on basically to cut him and uh, save that money. Because if they were to guarantee him, it actually balloons up a lot higher, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't really matter. I'll be stunned if he's still on the roster by February 15th. So just keep that in mind. Nene is just a filler piece. With that said, the Hawks do have to create a roster spot before this deal can be done. Because Atlanta was at 15, they're at their their capacity. Because Brandon Goodwin and Charlie Brown don't count. They're still on two-way contracts. 15 is the only only number that actually matters here. And because the Hawks only sent one player out in Evan Turner, they can't take two players back in the trade unless they have an open roster spot, which which they currently do not have. So, before the deal can officially be done, the Hawks have to do something else. They either can trade one of their guys away for nothing, which doesn't seem likely, but it's at least possible, or they can release someone. 
I have no idea who that's going to be just yet. It's still way too early in the morning, uh, late in the night, however you want to say that, to figure that out. And no one has reported it in the last hour plus since the deal actually went down. My guesses would be threefold. I think there are three guys the Hawks could reasonably cut if they had to do something between now and tomorrow morning. And those guys are Chandler Parsons, who's, of course, owed a lot of money. But I can't imagine the Hawks now using that contract. I guess it's not impossible. But the whole reason to keep Parsons around this whole time was to match salary. And with this deal out of the way, I don't think that the Hawks are going to be doing another massive salary trade. So that would be a pretty logical one. Then you have Damian Jones, because the Hawks are just adding a center in this deal. And Capella, the hiccup there would be that Damian probably has to play on Wednesday night because the Hawks are going to go into Minnesota without too much depth, it looks like. And then you get the uh, last guy would be Travion Graham, who's a relatively small salary. The Hawks uh, added as part of the Jeff Teague trade. I'm not sure if they're married to him or not. Um, he would be the guy that I'd probably keep out of that mix. In fact, I mean, barring, you know, Travis Schlick would know better than I would, but unless they have some construction of a way to use Parsons uh, he would be the most logical I think in some respects because the buyout's not going to happen there you probably should have to release him but regardless the Hawks have to do something else that's the short version the Hawks, the Hawks have to do something else to make this deal happen so don't be surprised if you get up on on uh, Wednesday morning you've listened to this podcast and the deal's not official yet um, the Hawks do play Wednesday night and it wouldn't stun me if the deal wasn't official even beyond that because you have to get physicals done etc cetera, etc cetera. and we'll come back to that more in a moment in a moment but you know, as I said before, the headliner here is Evan Turner and the Brooklyn pick for Clay Capella and Nene. That is the trade as we know it right now on the Hawks side only, even though there are four teams and 12 players in play. It is pretty straight ahead when it comes to the Hawks. Okay, after a quick break, we will dive face first into the rest of this analysis and talk about all the machinations here in the future and all that stuff. But hold on tight. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. All right, and we're back in uh, kind of hilariously in, in the middle of recording all of that, um, going to the break, etc. There was actually a report from Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle that actually inserts another pick into the mix for the Hawks. The Hawks actually are reportedly, again, and we're all, it's all reportedly at this point in time, are reportedly sending a 2024 second-round pick acquired from the Golden State Warriors out in the deal. So that's a long time from now, but just to, just to put that out there now before anybody sees it after I've recorded this podcast, that has not been reported as I'm talking, and there you go on that. Okay, we'll come back. Um, Click a pillow is sort of the centerpiece of this deal, obviously. Not even sort of. He's definitely the centerpiece of this deal for the Hawks. We touched on him a little bit in the last few days because we've had a couple of podcasts to discuss the initial rumors of Capella. But from a value standpoint, the deal is basically the Brooklyn pick for Capella. And in short, that is a very solid to good value proposition for the Hawks. You know, the Brooklyn pick is a valuable pick. It's a mid-first rounder, and those are valuable picks. And I think in this draft, the top of the draft is actually worse than the middle. I think the middle is actually pretty decent. With that said, if you get Clint Capella with that pick, that's uh, a pretty good value. Because even if you don't love Capella and people are split to some degree on him, at the very least, he's a he's a quality starting center. And if you can if you can lock in a starter, um, even if I think he's better than that, but even just an average starter, if you can get that guy with with a mid first round pick, that's a big win. So uh, value wise, obviously a pretty good move here for the Hawks. Capella is 25 years old. He's a uh, legitimately sized center. He's he, averaging 14 and 14 this year on good efficiency. He has a career effective field goal percentage of like 63 percent. That is very very good. Uh, he's very efficient, no question about that. Offensively. He's limited in some respects because he's not, he's not a shooter by any means. He, he basically he's basically a non-shooter, but that's really his only knock offensively. He's a great finisher around the rim, lob catcher, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As I said before, I think defensively he is 
more good than great. I don't think he's a game changer defensively. People are split on that as well. There's, a, there's certainly a group that thinks he's better than I do uh, about on defense, but regardless, he is a good defender. He will certainly help the Hawks' defense. He's an elite rebounder as well on both ends, I think offensively especially, but even even on the defensive glass, he's a very good rebounder, um, immediately the best guy on the Hawks roster in that respect. So a couple of things that he definitely helps with on the defensive end of the floor, um, and uh, you know that's why... Honestly, center with few exceptions is a defense first position in the NBA these, these days. Obviously, there are there are your Carl Anthony Towns and your, and your Nicole Jokic's around the league, but most of the time, center is a defense purpose defense first position, and Capella kind of fits that with the way that he plays in the modern league. Uh, there will be plenty said, and there already has been, about the fit between um, Capella and John Collins. That'll be an ongoing talking point, I would imagine. I think the short answer for now is that defensively, I think it's probably going to work pretty well. Capella is pretty versatile in uh, at least a few respects. He's a pretty good athlete. He's kind of fast, and uh, I think that works um, to to the Hawks' benefit. Collins is a very good athlete as well. I think that there are some there are some matchups when Collins has to go out and guard you know small ball fours that might be a little bit of a stretch. But overall, defensively, that's a better alignment that the Hawks have had this season, so that definitely helps in that way. Offensively. They do duplicate a little bit of each other in the fact that I think they're both at their absolute best when they're playing pick and roll and as dive men and lob threats. So in respects, if, if, if they're playing together, you know, Capella has to be in that role because Collins, you know, Capella can't do anything else. That's kind of the role he's in offensively, whereas Collins can do everything. So if you're doing that and they're both playing, you're going to use Capella in that role. With that said, Collins is a much improved you know, versatile offensive player in the way that he has been compared to the last couple of years. I think his corner three, his corner three point shooting is going to be a, a big plus right now for the Hawks offensively. I think he has uh, got he sort of gained some comfort with the ball in his hands. I think that Collins is a pretty versatile player, so that 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 can I think will work. I don't think it's perfect by any means. The fit offensively is not what you would draw up in a lab when when partnering with Clint Capella. But I think that Collins is talented enough to make this thing work, and Capella doesn't need the ball. Capella is certainly capable of being your fifth option offensively, and that just being just fine. So all that said, I think it's going to be good for the Hawks. I think they're going to do a good job with it. It's going to improve them right away. There is a question, certainly in my mind, about you know ultimately two years from now, whether that's the part, whether that's the partnership that you want at the four and the five, ideally at the absolute highest levels. But that's a problem for later on, honestly. And I think um, at the very least, right now you have you could stagger it. I think I would recommend this, by the way. You could stagger it where you have at least one of them on the floor for the vast majority of every game. And if you do that, you suddenly have a legitimately high end, you know, pick and roll threat, lob threat on the floor at all times. That's be that's, that's a pretty awesome thing for Troy Young. And even for a guy like Jeff Teague, like you want to have that kind of thing. Um, so that's uh, pretty impressive, honestly, with the way the Hawks can now do that if they choose to do so. Uh, Contract-wise, Capella is a good value. He's not necessarily an overwhelming value. I think he is a good value. Um, $14.9 million this year. Next year, about $16 million. The year after that in 21-22, it's $17.1 million. In the final season, um, three and a half years from now, <laughs> Uh, 18.2 million for the 2022-23 season. Um, not a massive heist. Again, as, as I said before, I think there are there are some concerns about paying non-elite centers. I don't think that Capella is elite. He is definitely good. He's a top 10 or 12 center in the league, even even conservatively. So that's you know that's a lot easier to pay for than someone who's who's worse than that. But I don't love paying centers in general, so it's not like a crazy, ridiculous value, but it's a good value. I think it's a very appropriate contract, and you could trade it if you wanted to in an instant, as we saw today. It has plus value. Um, I think 
the way that he will age is going to be interesting to me, but at the very end of the deal, he'll still only be 28 years old, which is not terribly old. It's at least possible that he's declining a little bit by then because he's relies heavily on athleticism at this point in time. But still, I can't imagine a world barring weird injury where Capella is just not a good player still three years from now. So that definitely helps. Um, speaking of injury, by the way, there is a heel issue right now for Clint Capella. Kelly Eco of The Athletic wrote about it this week on their site. Um, in short, he's battling a heel issue. He's not played in about a week at this point in time. There were rumblings in that report from Kelly about him being shut down through the All-Star break. I have no idea, honestly. I'm not covering him day to day, so we're all just guessing and taking the reporting at face value. Um, whether, it's, whether it's a long-term concern, long-term concern or not is up for debate. I have no idea, frankly. But there's at least a chance that it's plantar fasciitis, which has been reported. And there's at least some eyebrow raising in that because big men, um, you know, true big men that need their feet um, and having foot issues is not necessarily the greatest thing in the world. But obviously the Hawks will want to be signing off on that with physicals and th- things like that between now and actually acquiring him. So we'll keep an eye on it. It's something to at least note. I wanted to make sure I said out loud, but uh, not something that I think is like a massive concern. Even if I'm not on the inside right now, there definitely could be more there, but I don't really know at this moment. Um, one note here, the Hawks and everyone in the league, um, you know, the deal, the deadline is still more than 24 hours away. So it's possible that the Hawks aren't done at this point in time. Um, I think the obvious upgrade spot is center. And that was already out there. Um, if they go ahead and do that now, but now you suddenly have a situation where you have Capella you still have Alex Len, who could be an interesting trade target if you wanted to go ahead and do that. If he has some value, he is hurt right now, which probably lessens that a little bit. And you have Bruno Fernando, so you, have, you, you now have three centers that you probably want to play all of. Bruno is interesting at the moment. We'll save some of this for later, but Bruno is someone who, you know, was an investment for the Hawks, probably not, probably not part of their core right now, but certainly an interesting asset for them. Maybe they want to look at him a little bit more, et cetera, et cetera. And then there are some moves to do on the peripheral. Do you want to have Brendan Goodwin have a full roster spot? Do you want to move on from guys um, like Parsons, et cetera? So we'll see what happens in the future, but um, keeping that in mind, the deadline is not here yet, so the Hawks may not be done just yet. Um, last couple things here on the pod. I know we're, you know, we're nearing towards 2.30 a.m., which I'm sure I'm rambling. Um, 2020 summer is going to be a big one for the Hawks still. Um, but it's worth noting, uh, this is per Jeff Siegel, good friend of the program, over at Early Bird Rights, who is the fastest uh, draw in the West when it comes to getting the stuff out there. And Jeff's fantastic at the salary cap stuff. The cast base for the Hawks is going down from you know the high 60s to around 56 million, somewhere in there, mid 50s at this point. It's it's always somewhat fluid still this far out, but um, they're going to have plenty of cast base still. Um, obviously, they add Capella's salary, which takes away some of it, but. You also remove the cap hold for the Brooklyn pick, which was not a small number. So it kind of cancels out a little bit. The Hawks still have at least one max slot if they want to use it. And, uh, you know, not necessarily obvious ways to do that, but you have plenty of flexibility. The Hawks will still do something or more than one thing this summer. This does not take away from that necessarily. The only scenario that's now off the table, at least for now, is like the two max slot scenario, but there's not really two guys to pay anyway. So there you go on that. Keep that in mind as well as the fact that, of course, the Hawks have their own pick and uh, in this draft, which is still very important because, honestly, they have they have a core six right now, um, and that, that's the seventh piece is their, uh, is their own draft pick for this year. Um, to the draft, real quickly, th- there's definitely a strong chance at this point, I would guess, that the Hawks would not draft a center with that first pick. Um, there are a couple of guys in uh, Onyeka Kongwu and James Wiseman who have been reported as top 10 consideration guys. I would be surprised now if the Hawks went center in the top 10. It wouldn't be absolutely unprecedented, particularly with a Kongwu who is pretty versatile. But, um, you know, with Capella long-term on board, it would certainly not be the, the glaring need that it would have been before and the Hawks could be a best player available mode, but I wouldn't at least say that out loud. I've discussed this a little bit 
already in the last two shows, you know, the chances that Collins and Capella don't work perfectly. There was some reporting out there from Kevin O'Connor in particular of the ringer that, you know, if the Hawks traded for Capella could be like, you know, that, that, that would kind of spell doom for John Collins in Atlanta. I don't believe that to be true. I talked, a little, I've talked about that a little bit more in the last podcast, but I think, you know, there is a chance certainly that the pairing does not work and that could lead to Collins maybe even being more of a trade candidate this summer, et cetera. Um, that's a, future pricing problem I can't imagine Collins will be traded between now and Thursday it's not it's not absolutely impossible but I would say it's very unlikely based on what I've heard and what I know so you know that's a future concern we'll see Uh, people are asking that question so I'm going to answer it it's just one of those things where I think that that it can work between those two guys will it work I don't know I'm not like 100% confident that it will so if it doesn't then you have to start talking about that stuff whether it's trading Capella or trading Collins or whatever else, whatever else that you want to do there um, that's a future concern but it's certainly one that's going to be talked about over the next several months particularly with Collins having uh, extension negotiations beginning the summer that's a big one um, and we'll talk about that more when it comes um as i said before uh briefly here i'll come back to it just for just to make sure that i say it again Capella is going to be an awesome partner for Trey Young in the pick and roll. Obviously, Collins already has been that, but when those guys don't play together, Trey's not really had that other threat. It's been, Damian Jones is okay at that at times, but it's not the same thing. Now, Trey, I would imagine, will almost at all times have a great pick and roll partner. And given the way that Trey plays, that really, really helps him out when it has like that full blown rim attacking center behind him. Um, I guess in front of him to take away the defense and kind of kind of collapse the uh, interior of the defense. So that's a huge thing for Trey Young. I also think that Capella will be helped by Trey Young. You know, Capella's been playing with James Harden, who's obviously a fantastic player, but Houston does not play a ton of pick and roll. Um, Harden is more of an ISO guy than a pick and roll guy, whereas Trey's more of a pick and roll guy. So I think with Capella's strengths, he actually might even be better offensively in Atlanta than he's been in Houston, where he's already been pretty good. So keep that in mind. I think that, that fit is pretty good with Trey and Clint Capella, um, even if it's not perfect with John. Lastly here, there are, of course, varying opinions on how good Capella is, but even people that are down on him that I found in the league, in the last couple of days I've been talking about Capella a lot offline with people around the league that work for teams and that cover teams, etc., trying to get a good feel about where he is in the league's hierarchy, I should say. Um, but even people that are lower on him, more tempered about him, think that he's a quality starting center. So you know, at the very, at the very least, Capella is a starting level center on an appropriate contract. That's the modest, like relatively negative spin on this deal. Obviously there's upside beyond that. I think people, there's a contention that thinks they think he's like a top eight center and certainly like not an all-star, but certainly like, you know, in that next tier down, I see that as a possibility as well. So to bring things full circle, giving up a mid first round pick in this class or any class, honestly, to get that player is a good deal. That's kind of the, the simple way to put this. Even if you don't love the fit, and it all and it all matters. I mean, everything matters. That's why we spent 20 minutes talking about the same trade on a 2 a.m. podcast. But if you boil it all down to the simple fact that the Hawks just traded a mid-first round pick for a very good basketball player and Clint Capella, that is a good value trade. That's my takeaway. And it's a deal that I would have made. You know, I've been skeptical on this podcast and then writing it on Twitter about trading for a center right now instead of just kind of waiting it out. But with Capella, it made sense because he's under contract for three seasons and he was available now, and and you absolutely weren't sure that he was going to be available. Plus, you didn't pay an exorbitant price, even if it's you know it's a pick and a half when you're talking about the second round pick in the future. That's a, that's reportedly in the deal. Regardless, they gave up a very reasonable price. None of their core pieces were included in the deal, and then you add a piece that's now part of your core moving forward. So, at the end of the day, it's an endorsement for me. I, you know, I'm not someone who 
always walks around with sunshine and rainbows, but I will tell you when when a deal is good or when I I will tell you when a deal is bad. And I think this is a good deal for the Hawks. Um, full stop. And we'll come back and talk more about that, of course, in the coming days. Um, you know, bar, bar something crazy. I'll not have another podcast till after the game on Wednesday, but I always say that, and then and then, and then crazy things happen. So. Subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully you're listening to this show. Hopefully you appreciate the fact that I'm talking to you at 2.30 in the morning. But I appreciate it as always. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend. And we'll see everybody, uh, I, I, I would say, I don't know, 15 maybe so hours. I'm not even sure how to math is out the window at this point in time. But I'll have a new show after the game on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that.